am so excited about starting uh, this new series. Uh, it was uh, actually a, a couple weeks ago I was sitting, we were in service and I was standing next to Mike and uh, uh, he said, you know what, I, I think we need to do a series on our identity in Christ. And I was like, oh, that's a great idea, Mike. I'm like, when do you, when do you want us to, to do that series? And he said, right after this one. And so, uh, and so we got to work, but I, I'm excited about it. I say that because I, I truly believe that God spoke to Mike and, I, and I'm excited to see what he's gonna do in our lives and in our church through this series. And so we're so glad you're here for this. I, I read a story that happened uh, in 2004 in Georgia. A man was found. He was uh, beaten. He was naked. He was unconscious. He had no ID on him, and he was found behind a Burger King. And he eventually, he, uh, he regained consciousness. They took him to the hospital, and, and while he was there, he discovered that he had amnesia. Right? In fact, they diagnosed him later with having dissociative amnesia, that he, he couldn't remember most of anything in his life. He had bits and pieces, a few foggy memories here or there. He thought his uh, first name was Benjamin. He remembered that he was, uh, he was born about 10 years before Michael Jackson was. And, uh, and it said that, uh, that when he looked in the mirror, he was 20 years older than he remembered being. Some of you were thinking, that, that happened to me this morning, right? I feel like that. I, I look at the stuff's fallen, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know what to, what to do with that. But can you imagine that for over 10 years, right? He had no idea who he was. In fact, the FBI showed up, and, and they tried to do fingerprints and DNA analysis, and, and they came back. He was not in any system anywhere. Dr. Phil actually brought him on and, and had a show about him. No one claimed him. And I'm not sure which hurt more, the fact that no one claimed him or Dr. Phil realizing that nobody watches his show, right? It was a, it was a painful thing. And in fact, Dr. Phil went and he, he hired a private investigator and even that private investigator couldn't find out who this man was. And so one of his nurses ended up actually taking him home and tried to gently, uh, tried to gently bring his memories back and restore his memories, nothing. Right? And poor Benjamin, what happened as a result, because he could only partially remember his social security number, he couldn't, he couldn't get a job. And eventually he became homeless. On September 16th, 2015, Benjamin announced on his Facebook page, which says something, right? He, he couldn't get a job or, or, or have a home, but he had a Facebook page. But he, he wrote this on his Facebook page, his identity, his identity has been established by a team of adoption specialists. And here's what they wrote. Through a process of elimination, they determined my ancestral bloodline and who my relatives were. And on November 21st, 2016, Benjamin's true identity was revealed to be William Burgess Power. Not even close, right? Not, I mean, not even, not even close to who he, who he thought he was. And, and it's crazy, right? I mean, you hear a story like that and, and you're like, I, I can't even imagine what that must have been like. Although some of you are intrigued. Some of you are thinking, you know what? I wouldn't mind forgetting that business meeting that I had last week or that class that I took last semester. Some of you would like to forget who our president is. I, I'm not making comments about that. I'm Canadian. I didn't vote. I had nothing to, nothing to do with that. Um, some of us might like to forget who won the Super Bowl a couple of weeks ago, where we're still feeling that. Some of you would like to forget Valentine's Day because you're still feeling stunned. She said she didn't want anything. <laughs> Wrong. It's a trap, right? Always a trap. You can't fall for that. That's just, that's terrible right there. Some of you would just call that Friday night. And I just like to make sure that you know that amnesia and a hangover are two totally different things. And so um, not judging. We're, we're glad you're here. Um, we're really glad you're here. 
But imagine if, if that were you, right? Imagine that you came here this, this weekend and you know who you are. You know your family and you know your friends. You know your past. You know your present. You know the plans that you have for the future. And then you go home and something traumatic happens tomorrow. And when you wake up for the next 10 years, you have no identity. Have you ever put on uh, one of these, one of these hello, my name is stickers, right? You know, we've all, we've all worn one of these at, at different times. Uh, uh, I don't know if you're, I don't know if that's really your name or, or not, but, but we've, all, we've all worn one. Maybe it was at a, at, a, at a conference or a party or a reunion or maybe at a ministry that you volunteer in. When we lived in, uh, in Southern California, there was a group of friends and uh, uh, we would dare each other. We would, when we went into Starbucks, that uh, one of the friends had to always give the name of a celebrity. And so when you ordered your like, latte, they would sell, when they asked the name, you would say like, El DiCaprio, right? And so we would wait until the barista would call it out. El DiCaprio, your latte is ready. And everyone in, the, in Starbucks, would like stop and look and, and we thought it was we thought it was funny uh, the question apparently you didn't but that's okay that, that doesn't that doesn't matter but here's the question that I think all of us ask at different times in our lives is who am I really see we have a we have a name right but if we're honest for many of us our identity our identity is a little bit fuzzy my social media account makes my life look really good, right? When I, when I, when I take these pictures with the, with the perfect slimming angle, right, in the perfect light, and on that 36th take, the one that I post, it is fantastic, right? Or my vacations, my trips always look perfect. I only eat at amazing meals, and, and I only drink coffee at hip coffee shops, right? And, and that's what we post on there, but the problem is, is our social media doesn't tell the whole story of our lives, and it doesn't answer this fundamental question that we face. Who am I really? What if I asked you to write, not your name, but, but your identity, right, on this, on this tag? What would you write? What would you write if, if, if you had to write down what your or who your identity is? See, I think a lot of us, I think a lot of us would be walking around with a, with a blank name tag in our lives. And there's a couple reasons, because I think we fall into, most of us, into one of two categories. The first is this, is that we, we just have no, we have no idea what our identity is. Right? We, just, we just don't know. We think that maybe it's a list of attributes and, and achievements. I lead a, a small group of high school students on Wednesday nights, and I asked them this past week, uh, I asked my guys and said, hey, what, what would you write down? What, what is your identity? And the words athletic and sexy came up a lot. I have, I have very confident guys. You can pray for me, right? I mean, they, they're, they're very confident, confident guys. But what I told them is that, you know what, this doesn't define you. These things can't define you because they can be taken away from you in a second. See, we all look for value in our lives, but we look for it in, in false ways. For some of us, we look for that value in the, in the false way of our appearance, right, and how we look. If I look good, I, I feel good, right? If I dressed fresh today, then my confidence level is, is way up. I must be valuable. But if I'm not feeling my outfit, right, if I'm not feeling good in, in what I'm wearing today, then, then my confidence takes a hit. Some of us, we find our value in our affluence. We find it in, in what we have. My identity is in what I own. If I own a lot, then I must be worth a lot. My self-worth is compared directly to my net worth. See, the problem is, is what happens when the market takes a turn or your business, your business has a tough year or, or you lose your job. For some of us, it's in our achievements, right? I've done a lot of things. I've gone a lot of places. I've got a lot of letters after my name. I win. And so we become 
or we feel like we become significant. But the problem is, is that what we're doing is we're constantly comparing ourselves to the achievements of others. Finally, for some of us, it's in, it's in approval. Am I liked by other people? What are other people thinking about me? What are other people saying about me? And if they admire me, right, I win. And if they're jealous of me, well, I, I still win. See, some of us spend our entire lives trying to get the approval of a parent or a coach, a teacher, a, a boss, and you won't be happy. You won't be happy until they acknowledge you. But here's the, here's the problem. Here's the, the reality of that. If you haven't won their approval by now, I'm sorry to tell you this, but you probably never will. And even if you do win their approval, what you're gonna discover is that it's empty. It only lasts for a little while. It's not fulfilling. It's not something that lasts. See, many of us have no idea what our identity is, but maybe that's not you. Maybe you fit into this other category is that some of us have just forgotten who we are. We're kind of like Benjamin, right? We just, we're not sure who we are. We're not sure where we've been. We don't remember anymore how we got here. We have faint memories of a life that was a little bit distant. We know that there's gotta be so much more in this relationship with God, but we just can't seem to remember. See, psychological studies have shown that you tend to base how you feel about yourself on what you think the most important person in your life thinks about you. Let me say that one more time. You tend to base how you feel about yourself on what you think the most important person in your life thinks about you. Which means there's a couple things in that that we need to get settled in our identity. The first is this, is who is the most important person in your life? Who is it that you're basing your worth, your value on? The second is, is this, what if you could exchange thinking, what if you could exchange guessing about what they may be thinking about you for, for actual knowing, for actually knowing what the most important person thinks about you? See, I believe that understanding our identity is, it's incredibly important for us to live the life that God desires for us to live, the life that God intends for us to live, created us to live. And I believe that when we understand who we are, when we understand our identity, our identity, things become clearer in our lives and a lot of things become simplified. And so the question is this, what is, what is it that God sees and what is it that God says when he looks at us? If you have your Bible, I'd love for you to turn with me to Luke chapter 19. If you don't have a Bible with you today, that's okay. You can uh, follow along on our side screens or you can download our app as well. We've got all of the, the verses in there. We've got a place where you can take notes and then send it to yourself uh, afterwards. Let me give you a little bit of background if you're turning still to, uh, to Luke chapter, chapter 19. During Jesus' ministry here on earth, right, he was always looking for, for people who were, who were kind of forgotten, right? The people that were disregarded, the people that were despised by others. And, and what we're going to see in this story is one day Jesus has an encounter with a guy named Zacchaeus. Now the crowd, right, the crowd that's gathered around, they didn't understand why Jesus would want to hang out with this guy. In fact, tradition tells us that Zacchaeus was the shortest man in the city of Jericho, but there was something else about him that he was also the most hated man in that city. But here we see Jesus reaching out to the Zacchaeuses of the world, right? Those that seem unlovable to everybody else, Jesus had a place for them. Luke chapter 19, beginning of verse one, says this, Jesus entered Jericho and he was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Now let's just stop here for a second. Zacchaeus is a, a tax collector, but not just a tax collector, right? He is a, the chief tax collector. 
He's a Jewish man who works for the, the Roman government. Now, tax collectors are, are never popular people in the Bible. And I don't know that much of that has really changed in, in our culture, right? You never hear anyone say, hey, my IRS friend is in town. You want to hang out tonight? No thanks, right? Like nobody ever wants to, to do that. I, it's awkward for me, right? When we meet people as pastors, sometimes you try to put off as long as possible uh, telling people what it is you do, right? And so they keep asking and you, try and avoid it. But eventually, eventually you get to that place where you have to say, well, yeah, I'm, I'm a pastor. And it usually, it just gets weird, right? It ends up in this place where they're like, oh, Sorry for cussing a few minutes ago. <laughs> and you're like, I'm so, it's, it sounds like a fun job though. And you're like, okay, whatever, right? Like this, you're never gonna talk to me again. And it's just weird. But I imagine it's even worse for an IRS agent, right? I imagine that when they're hired, they give them a badge and then say, say goodbye to your friends, right? Like your life is, is kind of over. And that's what it was like for a tax collector. In these days, they were, they were completely corrupt. Now Zacchaeus, he was getting rich off taxing his own people. And so people viewed him as a, as a traitor, right? As someone who had betrayed them. And so Zacchaeus, what he would do is he would go house to house. And he would do that with uh, somebody from the Roman guard with him. Somebody, I don't know, maybe named Guido, right? And so, so he would go door to door and he would go to Mrs. Jones' house and say, I, I need your taxes. And Mrs. Jones would give him the tax that was due. And then Zacchaeus would turn to Guido and he would say something like, hey, Guido, I think Mrs. Jones wants to give us another hundy, right? Make her, uh, help her find it for me, will you? And so like Guido would do his thing, right? And Mrs. Jones would now end up paying even more money. That's what he would do. He would extort it from others. He was dishonest. He was a thief. He was hated. Zacchaeus was not scoring very high in the approval ratings. Verse three, he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Now, I love this, right? There's a couple things in here that I think are important for us to notice. First is this. He wanted to see who Jesus was. This is really cool. His curiosity, I, I believe, right? It's not based on a love for Jesus, and it's not even based on a relationship with Jesus. He doesn't know Jesus. There's no account that says that he had ever met Jesus before, but he's obviously heard about him. He's heard about Jesus' teachings. He's heard about Jesus' miracles. He's heard about the healings that Jesus has done. And he is incredibly curious. And that may be you today. Or maybe you're here because you've heard different things. And you're curious. And we just want to say welcome. That you're in the right place. And we're so glad that you're here. That's the first thing. Here's the second thing. There's a crowd. See, he isn't alone in his curiosity. In fact, when we read about Jesus, every time we read about Jesus, Jesus is always surrounded by a crowd of people unless he is intentionally trying to get away from that crowd of people, right? It's like, it's like being at a golf tournament or a concert and paparazzi everywhere. Everywhere Jesus went, there's a crowd of curious people that were following along. Here's the third thing. Zacchaeus is too short to see. In fact, the Greek word for, for short described here describes the body of an, of an underdeveloped child. And so we don't know any more about Zacchaeus than this, but he's got, there's some kind of condition in his life. Now I'm six foot two. Right, I'm, I'm taller than most people. And so for a long time, I didn't understand Zacchaeus' position. When I go and I, and I meet people at different campuses, a lot of times uh, I, I hear, well, you're much taller in person. Recently, I got a, you look much older in person than you do on screen, which was nice. Um, yeah, 
It's okay, he was short, and so uh, I didn't feel, feel bad. <laughs> Just kidding, uh, if you're watching. Uh, but it, it, was, it was true, right? <laughs> One of the campuses, I'm sorry. Um, but, there, but there's this guy that goes to our church, right? This guy, and he goes to Hope, and his name is Big Jerry. And, uh, and we've got a picture there. That's, that's Big Jerry, right? I'm 6'2". His hand is bigger than my head, right? Like, I mean, Big Jerry is, is huge. And I texted him this week and asked if I could show this picture. And he said, yeah, sure. He said, we look hardcore. I didn't have the heart to tell him that, no, I'm just in pain because you're hugging me so hard, right? I mean, I, I, just, I just couldn't, I couldn't tell him that. But when I stand next to Big Jerry, right, I, I look up to him. I feel small. There are not many times in my life that I feel small, but when I'm with him, I do. When, when he hugs me, my face goes in his armpit, and it's nice because he's big, so I'm going to just keep saying that, right? And so, so I finally get it. I get what Zacchaeus is, is feeling in this situation. Now let's combine what we know right here, right? He is short, he's a hated tax collector, and he's stuck in a crowd. I'm sure no one took advantage of that situation at all, right? I'm sure no one's calling Zacchaeus names. I'm sure there were no elbows thrown at his forehead, right? I'm sure none of that is happening. No one is feeling bad for Zacchaeus. But what I wonder is, what did Zacchaeus think about himself? See, he's obviously got appearance issues, right? We know he's short, he knows he's short. Kids are cruel. He's probably been made fun of his entire life. We, we know that he's got achievement issues. Yeah, he's wealthy, but he got wealthy by stealing it from other people, right? By, by ripping off others. He's a, he's a thief. We know he's got approval issues. He's hated by everyone, everywhere he goes. And so he did what no self-respecting Jew would do. He ran, which is one thing, and then he, he climbed a tree. Because for Zacchaeus, he had nothing else to lose. He just wanted to see Jesus. Verse five, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. We'll come back to this in, in a few minutes, but I want you just to take note of that, that Jesus noticed him and that Jesus called him by name. And maybe you're thinking, well, Donnie, yeah, I'm sure Zacchaeus had some kind of a reputation. I'm sure everybody knew who Zacchaeus was, right? In fact, they, had a, they, they wrote a Sunday school song about him being a wee little man, and a wee little man was he, right? So everybody knows Zacchaeus, but, but Jesus didn't call his name to mock him. Jesus didn't call his name because he was judging him. Jesus wasn't condemning him when he called his name. And I, I love that. Jesus calls him by name, and he says, I... I wanna hang out with you, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, we're, we're gonna spend some time together today. You and I are gonna get to know each other. And Zacchaeus was so excited, right? And I picture him doing kind of that American Ninja Warrior thing, right? As he's like coming out of that tree, like swinging on branches and, and like parkouring down. Like he, he was going to get there. I'm sure Zacchaeus, he didn't have many friends, just a handful that he bought, right? And so, so he wasn't gonna miss this opportunity with Jesus. Verse seven, all the people saw this and they began to mutter, he's gone to be a guest of a sinner. See, here's where the judging happens. But I want you to notice, it's not from Jesus, it's from the crowd. See, if you can relate to Zacchaeus in, in some way, in, in any way, I want you to take note of this. Jesus isn't judging Zacchaeus, and Jesus doesn't judge you. But I also want you to take note, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, don't be the crowd that passes judgment on others when Jesus doesn't. Verse eight. But Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, look, Lord, 
Here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. So something huge has happened here. We don't know how long Jesus is with Zacchaeus. We don't know exactly what he said. We, we don't know what happened during this lunch, but everything in Zacchaeus' life changed when he met Jesus. And now he's giving his money and he's giving his stuff away to the poor. And, and I love the line, and if I've cheated anybody, <laughs> you think, right? Like, they're like, dude, you cheated everybody, right? Like, that's what, you, that's what you did, but this is so cool. I will pay them back with interest four times the amount. Verse nine, Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. So I think there's a couple big things that come out of this story that I wanna focus on because I think they're foundational to us understanding our identity in Christ. This is the foundation for us to be free to be me. Here's the first one. First one is this, is I am known I'm known, right? We all wanna be known. We all want to be accepted in our, in our lives, right? As human beings, we crave it. We drive for this. We, it, it determines all of the things that we say and, and that we do. We all want to be known. And I think there's a few lessons that we can see in, in how Jesus interacted with Zacchaeus that apply to us. Here's the, here's the first one, that no matter how small I feel, Jesus notices me. Look at Luke 19, verse five again. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked why did Jesus stop at that particular tree and look up? Because he knew exactly where Zacchaeus was. Right, let, me, let me say this. I, I don't know exactly what you're going through right now. I know for some of you, you may feel like you're up a tree financially. You may feel like you're out on a limb relationally. You may feel like you're just barely hanging on spiritually. And you may feel small and alone, maybe even hated but I want you to know that God knows where you are and that he is paying attention to you. He notices you. That he's had his eye on you from the very beginning and that you, you matter to him. There's never been a moment in your life that God has taken his eye off of you. See, when you get to heaven one day, if you've, if you've trusted Jesus, you're never gonna have this conversation with God. He's never going to apologize and say, I'm so sorry, I didn't see that coming in your life. Right, that caught me off guard, right? It totally took me by surprise. That's not gonna happen because he, he saw you being formed in your mother's womb. He saw you take your first breath. He heard you scream your first scream. Why? Because he made you. God thought you up. You wouldn't exist if God hadn't a thought of you first. He wanted you alive and he has watched every second of your life, the good, the bad, even the ugly. Psalm 139 verse 15 says, you watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion and as I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. See, you may feel all alone right now. Whatever you're going through, it may seem like God is a, a million miles away from you, but you are not alone. God is always paying intimate, close attention to you. See, a year before, a year before Zacchaeus even ever climbed that tree, God knew he was gonna climb that tree. 
God knows where you are right now. He knows what you're gonna do in the next hour. He knows what you're gonna do in the next month, the, the next year, because God's not limited by time. And so he never takes his eye off of you. God, no matter what you're going through, has never, never forgotten you. No matter how small or how insignificant you may feel, Jesus notices you. Here's the second thing. No matter who ignores me, Jesus knows me. Again, Luke 19, the rest of, of verse five, says that when Jesus reached that spot, not only did he look up, but he said to him, Zacchaeus. Right? He called him out by name. See, this is more than just noticing. And I, and I get, right, a guy hanging out in a tree probably is gonna get your attention. This is more than just that. This is Jesus calling him out by name. Now, maybe, maybe Jesus and, and Zacchaeus went to Jerusalem High School together, right? But I, I don't think so. I think this is Jesus letting a little bit of his God show in, in this, right? And, and we know that Jesus knew everything about Zacchaeus. He knew his name. He knew his career. He knew the shady things that he had done, right? He knew his insecurities and his inadequacies. He even knew where he lived, right? Acts 17 verse 26 says this, from one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands, See, God made you for a reason. You're a part of, of creation. You were a part of God's creation long before your parents ever got together, right? God decided when you were gonna be born. God decided where you were gonna be born. He decided the race that you were gonna be born as. He decides how long you're going to live. God even planned where you're going to live. Even if that's on a goat farm in Fuquay, right? God knows all of those details. Matthew 10.30 says, even the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Now, I know what some of you are thinking, right? Yeah, it's counting is easier for some of us right, than, than others. But that's, that's okay, right? God still cares about us. Jesus knows us. And that may scare you a little bit to think, wow, Jesus, does he really know all of these things about me? He does, but in, I don't want you to be scared about it. This is something that should actually bring us hope. Jesus will treat you the exact, way, the exact same way that he treated Zacchaeus. See, Jesus doesn't look at Zacchaeus' mistakes. He doesn't, he doesn't call out his sins. He doesn't, he doesn't highlight his past. When Jesus speaks to Zacchaeus, when he calls him out by name, he calls him out by his potential. In fact, Zacchaeus' name actually means pure one. See, it doesn't matter what anyone else has ever said about you. Jesus knows your name, and he sees you for who you were made to be. Here's a third one, that no matter what I've done, not only does Jesus notice me, and not only does he know me, but he wants me. Jesus chose to start a relationship with Zacchaeus. He didn't say, hey, Zacchaeus, here's what I need you to do. Go give your stuff away, right? And, and then maybe we can grab some lunch after. He says, Zacchaeus, I need you to pay off all the people you ripped off, right? And, and, and then maybe we can hang out a little bit. Zacchaeus, go get your life right. You go get cleaned up. You fix all of this mess in your life. Then we can have a relationship. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus knew him and Jesus initiated everything. I love this verse, Ephesians 1, 4. It says, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Do you know what that verse means? There's no accidents. There's no mistakes. God not only made you, but he made all of this for you. God didn't create a universe, right, with a bunch of planets that were like rotating and spinning around and then all of a sudden discover one day, oh wow, there's, there's one that could sustain life. What should I do with that, right? That, that's, not how, that's not how it worked. God saw you, God knew you, God chose you before he created any of those things. Think about that for a minute. Before God 
created the oceans, he chose you. Before God created this planet, he chose you. Before God created the solar system, he chose you. Before he spoke to the earth and then exploded into existence, he chose you. Before he took all of the stars and spread them out across the universe, God chose you. See, before all of it, he decided that he loved you. He wanted you and he wanted to be in a relationship with you. That's how deep God's acceptance and love and care is for each of us. And that's, that's incredible, right? That's something that should, should change how we see ourselves, that God created everything for us because he wanted to create me. And that's why your parents and the family are the parents and family that you have. I love what Rick Warren says in The Purpose Driven Life, that regardless of the circumstances of your birth, or who your parents are, God had a plan in creating you. It doesn't matter whether your parents were good, bad, or indifferent. God knew that these two individuals possessed exactly the right genetic makeup to create a custom you that he had in mind. They had the DNA God wanted to make you. While there are illegitimate parents, there are no illegitimate children. Many children are unplanned by their parents, but they are not unplanned by God. God's purpose took into account human error, and even sin. See, your identity isn't determined by others. Your identity isn't even determined by what you think about yourself. Your identity is determined by God. See, we're chosen, which means two things. One is that I am known. The second is this, is that I am forgiven. Why did God choose to create you? Because he wanted to be in a relationship with you. He didn't need us. Right, God is, is perfect. He wasn't lonely up there. He is everything that, that he ever needed, but he chose to create you because he wanted to be in a relationship with you. But there was a problem, right? The same problem that Zacchaeus had, the issues that he had in his life is, is why Jesus had to come, and it's the same that, that we have in our lives. And think about it for a minute. If God loved you so much to create an, an a universe that would sustain your life, then, then doesn't it make sense that he would do whatever it takes to make it possible to be in a relationship with him? See, we're all like Zacchaeus. We're all selfish. We cheat. We steal. We spend our time the way that we want to spend our time. The Bible calls it sin. And what happens is that the sin separates us from a loving God. But just like Jesus came for Zacchaeus, he came for you. He came for me. Luke 19, verse nine, right? It said this, Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. See, a relationship with Jesus changes, changes everything. See, a person isn't saved by their good heritage and they're not condemned by a, by a bad one either. Faith is more important than any kind of genealogy. When we put our faith in Jesus, we are forgiven and we're set free. But just to be clear on this, right? Zacchaeus wasn't saved because he gave money back. He didn't earn his salvation. Zacchaeus met Jesus. He, he encountered Jesus. He believed in Jesus. And as a result of that, it was his actions to give back to the poor. It was his actions to then make things right in his life. That's where his salvation came from. And so for those of us that are asking that question, is there anyone that truly accepts me for who I am? The answer is yes. See, Zacchaeus, I don't think he ever really knew where he stood. He knew he was hated. And I imagine that Zacchaeus probably hated himself. And I think he craved in the depth of his heart just to be accepted by, by somebody. And I think the questions that he was asking are the questions that, that we ask in our lives as well. Is there anyone who will accept me? 
Is there anyone who will love me simply for who I am? Is there anyone that I can just be myself around where I don't have to try and impress them? And the answer that Zacchaeus found is the answer that you and I can find as well. That God loves us and accepts us where we are. Last week, Mike wrapped up a a series, right? And from that series, a lot of us were set free from things. We've heard incredible stories of people who were walking away from hurts and, and habits that have been in their lives for years. Many of you accepted that God has forgiven you that God has set you free through faith in, in Jesus. But I know that there are many of you who are still holding on to some, some shame, right? There's many of us that say, yeah, I, I believe that God has forgiven me. I'm just not sure that I can forgive myself. And I wanna talk to you just for a second if, if that's where you are. Because to say that Jesus forgave me, but I'm just not sure that I can forgive myself, it sounds very spiritual, but it's actually very ungodly. Because Jesus' response is this, I died for you. What else do you need me to do? Right? What are you gonna do? Are you gonna suffer a little bit? Or are you gonna do some stuff in there right? so you can contribute to what it is that I, I did for you and then it's gonna be enough? See, that, that's not how it works. Jesus paid the ultimate and the complete price for us. So for us to try and contribute to that is actually very disrespectful to God. See, the issue isn't that you're struggling with forgiving yourself. The issue is that you're, you're struggling accepting God's forgiveness. Many of us feel forgiven, but we don't feel clean. See, there's some theology to this whole forgiveness thing, and and there's a couple big words. The first is, is propitiation, and what it means is this, is that Jesus died so that our sins could be forgiven. But there's another big word that's called expiation, and what that means is that Jesus also died so that we could be made clean. See, many Christians, we believe that we're forgiven, but we don't feel, we don't feel clean. We feel forgiven, but we also feel condemned and shameful and, and dirty. Well, 1 John 1, 9 says this, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. See, we are forgiven and we are clean in Christ. Think about what that means. God knows you at your worst. He has seen you at your worst. And he is still completely forgiven you. He's decided that there's nothing in your life that's too bad for me. If God had a Twitter account, right, you'd never, you'd never see God tweet, oh, my name. That one shocked me, right? Like, I, 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 didn't see, I didn't see that coming because he's never surprised. He knows everything about you, and he loves you anyways. See, our identity has to be built on this, on who God is and, and what he's done in our lives. If we're going to truly live and, and be free to, to be me, it has to start with God and how he sees us. You know, this is where we're gonna stop today. We're gonna pick this up um, next week because this is really the foundation. This is the foundation is that we need to be known and we need to understand that we are, we're completely forgiven because it answers the question, who am I? I'm a child of God. But I think that leads to the next question, which is, which is this, is, is what am I worth? And that's what we're gonna take a look at next week. But let me just give you a little tease, right? A little hint, because in Luke 19, verse nine, at the end, Jesus said, when, when he encountered Zacchaeus, right, that salvation has come to this man, but look at how he concludes it. He says, because this man too is a son of Abraham. We, we just wrapped up a series in, at the fall that went into Christmas called The Journey, right? And we went through the life and, and the journey of Abraham. Because Jesus knew and chose Zacchaeus, because he forgave him and provided salvation for him, Zacchaeus became a part of God's family. And the cool thing for us is that, is that we can too. Will you bow your heads and pray with me?
God, I just wanna thank you. Thank you for choosing me. Father, I, so many insecurities in my life. Father, I, I spend way too much time worried about what I do, way too much time worried about what other people think. God, worried about, if I, am I pleasing everybody? Am I making people happy? Father, I'm so confused so much of the time in, in who my identity is. I walk around with this, with this blank space on this tag. Because God, I've either forgotten or, or I, just, I just don't even know at times. God, I thank you that not only do you notice us, but that you know us by name. That God, you know everything about us and that you want to be in a relationship with us. That God, you created a universe for us. And I truly believe that if we were the only one, you would have sent your son Jesus to die for us. And so God, I thank you for that. And Father, maybe there's someone here today and maybe for the very first time they've, they've heard this and, and this makes sense that, that God loves me that much. That you want to, to be in a relationship with him. That you're tired of trying to do it on your own. You're tired of trying to shape your own identity. And, and maybe today you recognize that, that God is the source of your identity. Would you just in the quiet of your heart just pray, God, thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, thank you that through your death and your resurrection, I have been forgiven, that I have been set free. And God, will you help me to follow you with my life? There's nothing magical to that prayer. It's, it's, just a, it's just a surrendering. It's just a step of faith to say, God, thank you. I believe in you and I'm, I'm entrusting my life to you. God, that's the only way we're gonna find, truly find our identity. It's the only way that we're going to, to live free. It has to start with understanding who you are and what it is that you've done in our lives so that we can base everything else on that. And so God, we thank you and we love you for that. And it's in your name we pray, amen.